Max Devs and Beer is recorded in front of a live studio audience and is an adult podcast containing adult language. Consider yourself warned. You're listening to the Gamecasting Broadcast Network. Live from Outreach Studios, you're listening to the Mex Devs and Beer Podcast, a No Guts, No Galaxy special featuring your hosts, Phil and Darren. Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy Mex Devs and Beer Podcast number 14. My name is Phil and I'm your host. It is August 9th, 2013, and my shout out, it's going to go to Sarah's Mech. Donate now if you haven't done so already, and that is mwmercs.com forward slash Sarah. I think uh, we're almost to $100,000. Let's Woo. get there. You guys can do it. And I just want to say thank you to everyone out there. And specifically, I just want to say thank you to her father for sharing her life with us. And obviously, this is going to an amazing cause to fight cancer because cancer just sucks. And uh, yeah, so go donate if you haven't done so already. Darren, what do you got? This is Darren, a.k.a. Bombadil, and my shout-out today goes to my buddy UC's Old World Miniatures Kickstarter. It's at about 4500 of 6500 with 14 days left. If you're into tabletop games and miniatures, check it out. And, of course, welcome to everyone out there. We don't have a live studio audience. We are recording with, well, we have one person, Catrakel. But, uh, anyways, I just want to say welcome to all of our new listeners out there, wherever you are in the world. Hopefully you enjoy this podcast where you guys get to know the devs a little better. And we ask, if you have the ability, go to our website and give us a tip if you can. Tip jar, it's on the right side of the website. Thank you. And if you're doing any shopping, maybe planning on uh, spending something on Amazon.com, Newegg.com, Tiger Direct, please head on over to our website. Click one of the buttons. doesn't add anything to your bill because NNGNG, a little kickback, and it's a great way to support us. If you can't or do not want to donate directly, be a part of helping this great community continue to grow. And our guest today is Matt Newman the producer over at uh, Piranha Games. I'd like to say welcome, Matt. How are you? I'm excellent. Thanks for having me on. Oh, not a problem, man. I uh, appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your day. And now I've got a few quick fire questions to ask you, and then we're going to roll on to the normal thing. But uh, just answer as quickly as you can. Favorite battle mech? Shadowhawk. Favorite house or affiliation or merc unit? Uh, no, I don't have a favorite now. <laughs> Davion. Just say Davion. Favorite beer or beverage? Uh, rye or whiskey. Nice. Give me the hard stuff. I know, whiskey. All right, well, Matt, uh, so a lot of people may not know um, what a producer is in, you know, uh, I guess the game industry world, but what is a producer and what does a producer do at uh, Piranha Games? Well, a producer in a traditional games model uh, is really uh, responsible for getting the project done on time. Um, It's a little bit different here uh, with... Piranha Games and specifically MechWarrior Online because um, my role isn't finishing a project, it's to help ongoing development and making sure that kind of um, everything that needs to be in place is in place for for specific features. Um, Typically I work with Brian Ekman and Boris, the project manager, to make sure that we have uh, our schedule laid out for the next three months and kind of beyond there. Uh, what mechs are we making, how many maps are we making, uh, what features are going in, what what order they're going in, do we have the resources for those. Um, but I think my favorite part of the job is probably writing the patch notes. <laughs> so you're responsible for those hashtags, is that right? Uh, yeah, that was me. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like it can be a pretty overwhelming job. I mean, when you have that many things to deal with, and obviously there's a lot of pressure uh, coming up to launch and so forth, is it as stressful as it sounds? 
Um, Piranha Games is a really great place to work, and there is pressure, but it's not stressful pressure. Um, everybody's trying to bring make the game the best game possible, so we all care a lot, and sometimes that can flare up, and sometimes it turns into a bunch of laughs. So it's it's always been a good place to work. I've been here for ten years, so and I started my career as an artist. Uh, I did have a question with uh, you said basically content roadmaps and stuff like that. Um, with the roadmaps for uh, Mecha Online, is it is it something new to you for being like a free to play title? It, it, the whole process, obviously, you guys are not just laying out just for the development, but you guys are laying out for like a year, two, three, four, five. Is that uh, sort of something new to you? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, a live product is completely different than a box product. A box product is uh, your alpha beta stages, and then you're in QA, and then you're trying to gold master and if you're on a console, you're doing certification, and you've got all those these bugs, and so it's quite a different like starting and with a two-year budget and trying to get to the end there. Whereas this is like you're interacting with the community, you're seeing what features they want, you're trying to balance that with the features you think will help bring in more people, and you're really um, it's it's a lot more like tending a garden uh, rather than just making making a painting or something and finishing the painting when you're in, when you're in a garden you're constantly weeding weeding it and making sure it's the best you can make it yeah Phil loves the uh, roadmaps definitely one of his hobbies now in just in games in general what is your gaming background did you play other games did you come from a love of gaming and that's why you got into the gaming industry what, what, what's that about oh uh, yeah definitely I mean um, I've been a gamer my whole life um, Atari 2600 forward um, but I, it was really PC gaming that cemented it for me as like a permanent fixture within my life. And my first PC I ever bought um, was in a, a P3-133, so a Pentium 3-133. had a turbo button and everything, but it came with a video card, a, a Matrox Mystique. And I think it was around the time of Voodoo 1 or something like that, but they had um, texturing on it. But when I bought that computer, that video card that came installed on it came with uh, MechWarrior uh, Mech 2. And um, that was like really my first PC game that uh, took over my life, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know even ruined the relationship I was in at the time. So <laughs> oh, hardcore, yeah. It's funny. I've got a few years on you, so actually my uh, background was uh, Pong, and then the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. But other than that, I totally I remember the One Thirty Three. I remember uh, MechWarrior Two coming on. Yeah, totally, man. Just a few years, really, really. <laughs> yes, just a few. Yeah, no, now, two years, exactly, almost, right? <laughs> well, you know, speaking of which, uh, MechWarrior 2, amazing game. I loved it. I literally, I played hundreds of hours on that offline. I never played it online, except I did a, a few network games with my buddies uh, later on. But, yeah, just totally, thoroughly loved that. Now, so that introduced you to MechWarrior. Do you have more of an, like, did you follow it from there on out? Three, well, four? did that introduce you to MechWarrior? Battletech? Uh, no, actually, uh, I think Crescent Hot's Inception, uh, yes. I had like a, a shareware version of that. I didn't quite figure it out. My mom's, my, my parents' computer, I had it installed on there, but I mostly played Doom and um, what's the other game? Uh, X-Wing on there. All right, so you were introduced through Crescent Hawks. Did you uh, play, like, what, what's your background with the... Okay, I didn't know I didn't know it was BattleTech. I didn't was ah, know okay, it was MechWarrior. Gotcha. So, like I I always say, my story for for MechWarrior is specifically MechWarrior Two. Gotcha. Um, I did have buddies who had older brothers who had the tabletop, 
Um, I didn't play too many tabletop games. I was into the comic books a lot, and I had I was really a big fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I had um, like they had a whole RPG paper. Mm-hmm. thing, and I bought like all those books, read them all, but never played a single game. <laughs> yeah, did you get involved with uh, MechWarrior Three and MechWarrior Four? Um, I'm gonna have to say no, not really. I mean, I had them, but I didn't get involved with them. Gotcha. Okay, so being a fan of at least MechWarrior Two, and you did uh, dabble a little bit with Crescent Hawks, what was it like getting the news that you uh, were going to work on MWO at Prana? That's kind of a funny story because um, Jordan Wiseman had started Smith and Tinker, and Russ had communicated with Jordan Wiseman, and so I think they kind of ended up doing a small project for them with uh, VR gaming or like QR codes where you put a tabletop game and you pan around it with your um, camera and on your computer, and it would generate a world, 3D world. So we oh, yeah. prototyped a game uh, using like tanks and, and helicopters and like a, a city setting. Uh, for Smith and Tinker at the time, and we went down there and showed it to Jordan Wiseman, and we had two tablet gaming machines, and we we played a game with him, and it was a uh, it was very much a tabletop thing. She would like it was turn based, and it was really really cool. You were ending up looking at your screen the whole time, but it was you were just panning it around the table so you could get all these different perspectives on what the st- strategy would be, and uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. But uh, that was like how I met Jordan Wiseman. I knew he was the creator of BattleTech. And um, it was really neat. And that's kind of evolved into... And Russ and I had always talked about MechWarrior because I was a fan of MechWarrior. And uh, he was a huge fan of MechWarrior. He lent me some books and I read a few of the books uh, leading up to us. And then from there, uh, once they licensed the rights, then we started working on the original uh, trailer video that we released, trying to get a, a box product made, get, trying to get a um, console version on the PC and Xbox 360. And that was the 2009 uh, 3015 trailer that um, we all loved. Yeah, that. Yeah, I, it's, I will... it's funny if you look back at that trailer now. Uh, so many of the features that we were dreaming about then, actually, we actually realized in MechWarrior. It's kind of mind blowing, really. Um, we don't have the UAV view, but just the urban setting, um, the mechs jumping up on the buildings and whatnot, and just the way the combat plays out in that video. Put it side by side. You could probably someone could probably recreate that. Actually, I challenge the community to recreate that on um, on our current game. Hey, give me almost... give me my Warhammer, and I will do it for you. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, really cool. there. Uh, you know, obviously, with that uh, trailer, there you know a lot of people were like, "Oh man, would have been you know great seeing the level of destructibility and stuff." And I think that's something um, we've asked in the past, like Paul, if that's going to be possible. And he, he, he said possibly, but probably not to the extent that, uh, you know, that video is showing like full building destructibility. Uh, yeah, I'd love for trees to fall over really start good starting point. Anyway, I just, I just said that in a pro, uh, Brian, the lead programmer told me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had somebody asking, uh, on community questions the other day, if we would be able to shoot through rocks and, and obviously the guy just wanted to blow shit up. I understand the feeling, but yeah, trees will be a nice start. Now, you play MWO quite often. Uh, sometimes you've played with us. I see you interacting on this TeamSpeak 3 all Sometimes the time. we've killed you. Yeah, you, sometimes, <laughs> I don't know, maybe there's a video on YouTube of you being destroyed in your blackjack and Termaline and I mean, it's, it's not like it's important or anything. But anyways, has that affected 
or influenced your job at all with uh, Mecca Online, like you being literally so directly involved with the community? I mean, like, has that? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I definitely have an opinion. I have everything, um, every feature that comes through, uh, we play test. Uh, I talk to Paul, I talk to Brian. Um, so I get to let my opinion known, but I am not the final um, decision maker on a lot of those things. But I do get to influence. Um, I plant my seeds. Do you ever try blackmail? No, it's not a game. I mean, try blackmailing your bosses is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, uh, that. I don't think that would work. Okay, that's <laughs> hey, good to know. I yep. was going to say, uh, with you bribery, playing with, I think with a lot of bribery people. only works with Paul. Okay. He, yeah, he, no, he wants a uh, BMW. He's been talking it about it forever. going to say gold one, gold plated. Now, um, with you interacting and playing a lot of the times, do you play as Matt Newman? Do you have an alternate account? And I, I guess the reason I ask this is, as uh, as a developer, obviously you'll get feedback, uh, you know. And as just a regular player, do you like sneak around just with an alternate account and act like you're someone else, just so you get, what, I guess, a different approach? What he's really wanting to know is if you're Matt Damon. Uh, yeah, actually, I do have an alternate account. I never use it, though, because I've just played so much on my dev account. Um, and I find you get uh, plenty of feedback when you're using your dev account. Some honest answers. Yes, sucks. Fix it. Ah. <laughs> That's what we always see when we're playing with Garth. They just tell him, fix this, fix that. I tell Garth that. I'm like, hey, Garth, I just got stuck. Fix it. And then he tells me no. And I'm like, geez, thanks. He said it's Matt Newman's fault. Hey, yeah. so we know you're looking forward to the Shadowhawks. So are we, believe us. But what is currently in-game? What is your favorite mech or chassis? Okay, so uh, Jaeger mechs um, and their little brother, Blackjack. Hell yeah. Don't they? They just feel like a mini Jaeger, don't they? Yep. It's that being able to just barely peek over a little hill and just lay waste. I love that. Yeah, exactly. I went back to piloting my cataphract, um, and I was shooting nothing but dirt. Right? I know it's really hard to switch between and and get that arm level thing. Uh, those Jaeger mechs they spoil you. Exactly, you feel so exposed. Your guns are at, at your hips. You're like hip shooting. Yeah. And, uh, I enjoy the blackjack, um, specifically like the AC20 uh, with the three mediums. I also like my two AC twos. I don't know. I I like it. I like the jump uh, capability as well. So I'm right there with you. Uh, not so much the Jaeger. But I do like the Rifleman, so I you know, guess that... Or I call it the Rifleman, you guys call it the Firebrand. You can call it whatever you want. I call it the Rifleman, so whatever. I guess I do like it, so... Phil does love his, uh, his little blackjack, though, with uh, the jump jets and AC-20. Get some pretty good gonna, shots with that. I was going to say, I just had a pretty damn amazing round with my Rifleman. It was like 937 damage, and it was the double XP, which, by the way, awesome. So mm. I had like... 5,000 XP. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't think I've ever got that much damage before. Well, it's, it's 12v... I feel like 12v12, it definitely allows you the possibility of getting a lot more damage. But then on the flip side, you can also, I guess, do a little bit less damage because there are four more mechs firing. So, I don't know. But uh, well, I just yeah. I just mean I, I you know I kill much more efficiently than you. I, I use less damage. Totally understandable. I'm so low ELO <laughs> bracket. It's 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 totally understandable. Oh, uh, speaking I, of ELO, man, for whatever reason, recently I keep getting. In, I mean, I guess I've just shot my ELO to hell. But I'm getting in matches where people are like, "Hey, this is my first match," and I'm getting that a lot lately. <laughs> Be like, don't worry, um, it won't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, uh, what do you love about? I mean, obviously, you're going to be biased. You're one of the developers. 
but we want to hear your biased opinion. What do, what do you love about MWO as a game? Uh, I think my favorite things, two favorite things are when new new mechs come out and new when new maps come out and you go into the game or even some kind of game changing, uh, you know, 12v12. Game 12v12, like I'm loving 12v12 right now. Uh, even when we tweak the numbers on LRMs and, you know, it swings back and forth on what is kind of the meta or the what what people are playing as a, they consider OP or or not. Uh, but even even just that swing back and forth, just um, a live product, and uh, being able to play it and have it be different over time. Like if you can play the same game and it's just like the same all the time, that's why like AAA games you spend you drop sixty bucks on it, and you play it for a month maybe, and then you're kind of like, oh, I've I've got I've wrung every last bit of value out of that I can. But with our game, it's like it's changing all the time, so it's much more exciting that way. I love the fact that it's a live product and there's always new content. Yeah, it's pretty crazy looking back since, you know, playing since closed beta and how far the game has gone, how many different things, ups and downs, and the world is ending, the world is changing, everything's good, everything, you know, like, it's just been so much that's changed over that year, or however many uh, months it's been. And uh, I love it. I love that aspect as well. I love a game that's constantly evolving, constantly changing challenges, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now, as far as MWO, and this can be stuff that is just totally uh, wish list or, you know, you'll, it'll never happen in game, but you want to see it or whatever. But what would you like to see in MWO personally? And this doesn't have to be something that's upcoming or anything like that. Okay, so uh, what I want to see, and I've actually told them about this, and it's, it's a feature that we want to add to the game. It's just a bit more low priority. But um, I'd like to, um, with the team structure that we introduced, where you've got your Lance Leader and... Uh, the command and stuff like that. I'd like to introduce something like a, a, a com rose. They call them com rose in uh, Battlefield. Uh, something where you can give orders more on the fly. Yes. Uh, that. Plus, I'd like to have like uh, I play Battlefield uh, a lot, and uh, I think it's a really great game uh, for as far as one of my favorite simulations for that style of game. Like I play Call of Duty. It's not my complete thing. It's a bit more arcadey. It feels a bit more like Quake reminds me of. But with Battlefield, it has a more of a simulation vibe. It also can go all the way to the classic Ghost Recon, which was total simulation, in my mind, was more simulation. Um, but uh, with this game, I think I'd like to introduce some of those things, uh, like the communication, the teamwork, the voice work, like the the AI barks, that, like, I'm reloading, stuff like that that you get in Battlefield. I want to add more of that. Because if you're playing on comms, it's great. It's an amazing experience. You're with uh, teammates. You're coordinating uh, to me, it's the pinnacle of MechWarrior experience. But for the new players that come in, I think that they go in. It's a little. They're playing solo. Uh, they're watching the chat and that type of thing. I think we could add like if your lance leader targeted somebody, like you know, target alpha. Just like add that uh, audio cue in there. It would actually help new players, and they would realize, oh, okay, my team leader is targeting alpha. So if I stick with him and I target him, um, we're going to take him down faster. And then on top of that, I'd love to add like a little XP bonus, so that if you target the same enemy as your team leader and then you guys take them down together you would get like a a lance bonus or something like that so it's something i've talked about with brian and uh the other guys as well and i think it would really help kind of the new player experience that is totally awesome uh phil sorry real quick phil and i are big players of bf3 as well had a great time playing it still do every once in a while um and it's funny because 
Brandon, actually, Catrick Kell, just brought this up in our last podcast as far as things we'd like to see in the game. You know, the on-the-fly commands. I, and I agree. It's To me, that's the bridge for new players um, because it's, you know, you, of course, ideally you want to get them on the, the voice comms. Um, but there's tons of people who've been playing this game for a long time and still aren't on voice comms because they're not going to. But it would totally make it so that you could coordinate uh, with your group without having to do the voice comms. I would love to see that in the game myself. When I play Battlefield 3, I don't go on comms at all. But it's, for me, I still get a social experience because of I'll be, uh, I'll throw, I'll play as like support and I'll throw it out. And the AI of like the squad mates will go, hey man, thanks. Even though I'm not, I know it's not the guy who said it, it's just the AI or like some automated um, audio cue that's getting triggered by what I did. Uh, I still get a, like a reward from that and I still feel like I'm helping out my team. So I think that would benefit our game. Well, it's it's communication, and anytime you have a lack of communication, it, it, that's detrimental. And so, I mean, even in the military, like you know, communication is key. And so, uh, what I like is the fact that when you have these games, you can imagine mousing over a mech, and you know, with either like a Q button or like how they have it is like you hit Q, and then you can say enemy mech, you know, or enemy mech spotted, and you know, it blips up, and you know, and then all those little things, um, like you were saying. It's just about communication, and, and yeah, like you said, right now a new player's experience. They hop in here, they're not on Teamspeak three, they're not on C three, uh, or any of the other ones. They're reliant on basically the information that's present, right? So, what do they have when someone's targeting uh, another mech or chat? And you know, without, I mean, that's very limiting. So, I would feel like, uh, me personally, that would be a big. Uh, that would actually. On my list, that would probably be high priority for like a new player experience, right? Cause yeah, and like an SOS or something like that, like come help me. I you know walked off of my own. Now I'm regretting it. Type thing. <laughs> yeah, I use that one all the time. Yeah, I definitely feel like uh, that is a huge, huge uh, uh, thing if you guys can implement that. Uh, just for the fact that, I mean, even as a as a as a fetch you know player, like I feel like that's. That's something well, like you want to hear. Like you, you like those little feedback. It's immersiveness. It's it's yeah. not just a bridge for the new players, but it, like you were saying, Matt. I mean, that just makes the whole Battlefield Three just feel totally immersive and like a real combat situation. And and radio chatter and all that stuff just totally yeah. sucks you into the game. I mean, you got to think. Imagine you're you're in a lance, right? And the the four of us drop in a lance, and maybe you only hear the cues from that lance, and then like whoever takes command. But you can imagine one of your mech, you know, buddies gets blown up and you know i'm ejecting ejecting you know just all those little things not to mention you know like hey i need support over here or enemy contact you know um all those little things and there's a bunch of other like where you can set up like macros to like do like custom stuff but yeah definitely matt i would love to see that i, I hands down i think that's a huge thing right now well it's it's um on the books uh, it's not scheduled but it's on the books who, who uh do we have to send paul a uh do we, yeah bmw like, <laughs> Probably uh, Brian, right? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Prioritizing is uh, probably one of the top things that we do with Brian and, and Boris and myself. And you really have to look at it as a whole p- big picture. Like, I, It's really easy for me to say, that's an amazing feature. We should add that. Um, I just have to take resources away from something else right now that's already in work in, in the works. Or wait for resources to be available. So right there, that's your first scheduling hurdle. And that's really where my what part of my job is is like what is the highest value features how long are they going to take who do we need you know coordinate with design coordinate with production coordinate with test coordinate with our uh, our publisher all those things right 
Well, just pop us a quick email uh, letting us know how best to uh, bribe the three of you, and we'll be good. <laughs> so you said uh, prioritization is a big thing. Obviously, you sort of just described what that process is, but it's a big thing in game development, right? I mean, uh, I see everyone wants all this information, and like all these great ideas are going around, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, like new player experience needs to be in, or a new lobby system has to be in, or... Well, and that's what I, I guess my question is, like, how do you prioritize that? Like, uh, from your, your perspective, how, how do you guys tackle that? Arm wrestling matches. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, um, you kind of weigh a lot of different things. And then there's always, like, the wild card effect. Um, like, another part of my job, which is pretty small, is I approve vacations. Right, so um, I get vacation requests, and a lot of a lot of guys around here get, you know, two, three, four weeks a year, and um, you have to coordinate that with the features you're working on too. So it's like someone will go, "We need to do this," and then I'll go, "Guess what? The guy who would do that is on vacation for two weeks in August." My, Wait a second, you my, guys get vacations? You're not allowed to get vacations. We're human. Uh, we're human too. Like no. uh, human, like you're human. There's been babies this year. There's been deaths this year. You know, last yeah. year my dad passed away. I've got a two-year-old. All those things. I mean, it's. I'm not trying to get emotional on on the the, the people in the forums here, but sometimes you read the forums and you f you think they forget that there's actually people here earning a living and and uh, that it's not just you just decide to do something and then you do it and then it goes in the game and it's perfect and it's live. There's you know, it's chaos, really. Don't feel bad about saying that. That's exactly why we do Mechs, Devs, and Beer, to show the people that you guys are just human beings as well. You have feelings, you have your passions, and you've got real-life shit to deal with, just like all of us do. Well, and I think it's a normal thing for fans of something to, to sort of sometimes forget that. I mean, we're so immersed into, you know, oh, we want this, we want that, and the reality is what you guys were you know, five days, Monday through Friday, sometimes, depending on, I'm sure, crunch times, maybe Saturday, Sunday, but, like, you know, you come in, you work for eight hours or whatever, and then you have to go home, take care of your family, and, you know, us on the outside, we're just like, oh, well, why isn't this in, or, you know, why haven't you fixed Where's this? my like, Warhammer? Yeah, definitely. Shadowhawk. Shadowhawk. But, uh, all right, uh, you know, appreciate all that info, especially, it's nice to to see what, it, what it's like being there at PGI, but can you give us any info, possibly, on... And anything coming up? Anything special in MWO? I mean, um, I'm just going to talk about maps in particular, cool. and I guess Max. You know, we've got two more Max, two more maps. Sorry, coming out this year, and I think they've been somewhat hinted at already. Um, one of them's uh, set on kind of a spacey type setting, asteroid, and which to me harkens back to the last level of Mech Warriors Two, uh, where you're on the moon, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then. As well, we've got another uh, kind of city island type setting, but it's uh, it's a really really cool map. There's this one uh, section with like two tiers um, that just blew my mind when I saw it, and I'm really really looking forward to that going out live. Awesome. Do we have any names connected to either of those yet? Or are they just kind of uh, nothing official um, internally? I think they're just calling them like Spacey uh, and Island. Yeah, Spacey and Island. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now, mechs, we know that we've got the uh, Project Phoenix mechs coming up. Um, is there anything you can tell? Now, obviously, Phil and I are huge fans of pretty much all four of those mechs, Phil, especially the Shadowhawk. Uh, for me, it's all four. They're just classic. But are there any other mechs you can hint at? Maybe Wolverine, Griffin, anything out there? Timberwolf. 
Timberwolf is never going to be in the game, Phil. Just give it up know. right now. Um, I, you know, uh, no put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, no, I, understand. I mean, you guys saw uh, the the sketch that. Uh, oh, so beautiful on the news, right? So yes. I, I actually received uh, via email the finished concept of that today. So I can't share that with you, but man, it's amazing. Yeah, you'd have to kill us. He did say that from that artwork we saw in the news uh, section that he's completely erased it and started over four times since then. So we still have uh, something to look forward to. It's yeah. sick. It's sick. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 you know, obviously I don't, don't want to put you under pressure, but I, I can definitely say everyone is looking forward to the clan invasion and the unveils of those. And I think. You know, uh, if I'm forced to wait, I'll wait. I mean, unless you just want to slip us. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't really have too much to say about the clan invasion, but here's like, this is my more my question to you guys because I don't. I'm the I'm, no. Keep in mind, I'm the producer. I'm not the designer, so I'm allowed to not. Ha- I'm allowed to be a little bit ignorant here. Um, I don't know how much of a change it will be, and I'm and I'm curious about can you retrofit. Um, your inner sphere max with clan tech. Well, it depends. That's actually a pretty uh, open discussion on both sides because uh, um, in the past, how MechWarrior games did, like MechWarrior two and three, remember there was no dis- there was no different variants. You just had a chassis and you could put whatever you want on them. So you could you could have mixed tech. Um, MechWarrior four had mixed tech as well. Um, MechWarrior three is, of course. You know, it's one of those things where you read a lot of like the tabletop stuff and you're allowed to, but from the game design perspective, and this is something that's always been, is it negates a lot of things. For instance, if clan weapons are just superior hands down across the board, if you introduce the inner sphere version and then you introduce the clan version and the clan version is always superior and you allow the inner sphere mechs to have them, then no one ever uses them. Now, of course, that's like that's for you guys to balance design if that's the case. Um, but if you don't do mixed tech, then again, it it it's a part of balance. And so, um, I don't know. You know, I, I think uh, I think maybe Paul has stated the mixed tech that you guys weren't going to do it. So I don't know. We haven't really heard any conf- confirmation on that. Yeah, game-wise, it's always typically been you can generally upgrade to uh, clan tech. Um, but it is. I mean, that's I'm eagerly looking forward to how you guys deal with that because uh, it's that's another one of those hot topics. Maybe not as hot as third person, but it's still a pretty big one. Yeah, because as soon as you guys, I mean, put it in an example, if, as soon as you guys introduce clan tech and if you allow a mixed tech to occur, clan engines, clan endosteel, clan ferrofibers, I mean, if you allow all that, I mean, imagine how much that changes the games for the ISMX. And it would negate. I mean, what's the point of ever having uh, IS ferrofibrous when it takes up 14 criticals when you can have the clan for seven? Uh, price? Well, price isn't. that That's negligible because you're able to build up C-bills, you know, relatively quickly and, you know, stuff like that. But um, at least you used to be. Well, you know, it's I, I don't think in the long run it's it's that much of a, a thing. I think there's a little ding, yeah, but I think well, now that we've been why. playing it. Here's why. Um, the normal Joe Schmo, or uh, not the normal Joe Schmo, but someone who plays a lot and has a lot of time on their hands would basically be rewarded 
um, you know, they would have all the fancy stuff because they could dump it in time to, you know, grind out the C bills, right? But then who that would really affect is someone who works a job, you know, eight to five or whatever, or takes care of their family or whatever. And uh, they want to be able to build up that. C- Anyways, I feel like mixed tech. I feel like if you introduced a weapon system like an ER laser or a Gauss rifle or a PPC where the clan weapon is always superior across the board, then no one's ever going to use unless you make it stock loadout or you make it. It could all. It also could just be part of the build up process. Like look at other games. You know, you uh, World of Tanks. You start off stock and you build up to the best weapons. Uh, even World of Warcraft. You're as you're leveling up. You're you know you're getting the gear that you can get at the time and you're using it and it's effective. But you're always wanting better gear. So it could just be part of the leveling up process. And yeah, everybody wants the best, but you got to get there. And can you lose those? components as well that's another thing that's another balance to where if you can lose the weapons or whatever it gets off not your mech i mean and those are things that i know everyone out there is eager to know and eager to see what you guys think and obviously like you just said you know paul and brian are uh, the designers or paul's the designer around that but uh what are your feelings on it yeah i, I kind of go both ways on it like the way you guys are saying with um if it if the um, clan Gauss rifle is so much better than the Inner Sphere one, why would you ever buy the Inner Sphere rifle? Um, you can look at it as like a progression, like in an MMO where you don't have your level 11 sword, you've got your level 6 sword. Or you can look at it as a, simply as an economy. Um, but you can also look at, I don't know, it's it's tough to say. You could, you could say, okay, if you're going to use clan tech, you can only use clan tech and then you, there can only be, you know, eight or, or you know ten of you against twelve or ten against fourteen or something like that but it's complex it's not an easy problem to solve and i really as much as um i started on mech warriors 2 which was all about the clans uh i really like the inner sphere stuff a lot like i don't know it's tough to <laughs> don't have well, an answer i'm totally thing. inner sphere and phil is for the most part at least clan i mean that's your roots you're, you're appreciating inner sphere more now yes. phil but yeah. Well, and it also depends on how you guys implement the clans in general. Weapon systems. Are you going to go with what's been done in the past where they have longer ranges and they do more damage, um, you know, and stuff like that? Whereas, like, Randall Bills, when we had him on, um, he basically said that wasn't his envision of the clans. When In the novels and stuff, it talks about they were more skilled. And, and you know, you guys could easily translate that into, um, let's just say, the lasers. You know, lasers have a duration. That duration means you can um, do the X amount of damage if you hold that laser on a specific part for that duration. So it takes skill to hold it on. You know, so you can imagine where the lasers uh, aren't as, um, don't have a huge range difference, but they can do more. It's it's a bunch of stuff, but uh, I definitely know that the uh, players are interested here and uh, the longevity, obviously, of can you lose, you know, equipment and can you, you know, all that ties into, I guess, community warfare and how you guys are going to be handling that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, every, I, whenever I drop, I get the odd, like I want my mad cat or I want my timber wolf. I, I don't know why I was always a fan of the vulture though. The mad dog is a beautiful thing. I love both of them cross board. Aesthetically. I'm, I'm interested to see what, uh, flying debris does, but, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait. But, you know, Matt, is there anything that you want to close with or say to anyone who's listening to this out there in the world? Before we send you back to the grind. Uh, geez, I don't know. I didn't know I was going to have to have a closing statement prepared. Well, here's something. 
how are you liking uh, 12v12 and third-person view testing? Uh, that's pretty fun, actually. Um, I don't think there's... I, I kind of like the way we've done uh, third-person camera. Uh, some people complain about the snapping or the UAVs or those kind of things, but I feel like they're a fair trade-off for getting that extra little little bit of view. Um, and the fact that it is a UAV, that it is a drone that, that pops out behind your camera kind of gives it a realistic sense. Like, I play uh, games like Splinter Cell, and uh, it doesn't make any sense that I can see my character in third person. I mean, it totally suits the game because mm-hmm. it's a stealth game. But uh, I have to suspend my disbelief to say, okay, I'm, I'm playing in third person. Um, I'm controlling this avatar. I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm just controlling them. Um, but with our, our game, at least, uh, a little UAV pops out and it goes, okay, well, there's a functional reason why I'm seeing my mech from this view. I don't know. That's how I feel Absolutely. about Absolutely. That is how I feel about third person. Um, 12v12, I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I can't wait. It's going to evolve over time, too. The guys did an amazing job pulling a, a, some really good performance fixes, uh, basically uh, out of nowhere, um, to, to make sure that people are getting some good performance, being able to, to adjust your settings to get the most out of it and still enjoy 12v12. I've heard a lot of positive feedback on that, which is really, uh, really good. But on the hotfix? Yeah, the hotfix. Um, yeah, I got an extra 5 to 10 uh, frames, so I was happy. Yeah, and I think the smooth smooth experience in this game is really important, uh, especially with when you're using lasers and whatnot, uh, to be able to aim at the, the correct part of the mech. Um, the 12v12 experience, are you, speaking of like the evolution of it and so forth, I'm really curious about this too. Because um, still, for the most part, uh, Jason from Drop Command described it well, I think that 12v12 still, for the most part, can be like 12 cats chasing a laser pointer. What I'm really wanting to see is if we evolve into... Uh, lance you know operations like maybe sticking back because because the caps now for example take a lot longer maybe sticking a one lance there to defend that you un- place or whatever do you think it's going to evolve that way is it going to happen naturally uh, i had that experience actually just the other night um we were playing on um the new uh, terra therma and they actually left behind two mediums to guard their base i don't know if it was on purpose or if these two guys were just decided to do it or if I was playing an organized team or what, but there, I was in a, a cicada and I was like, I'm just going to go touch their cap and, you know, maybe see if I can draw some guys out of the center. Cause it seems to be most people are heading up to the, the ring of fire up there. And, uh, I was greeted by two mediums and they tore me apart and I was like, all right, that's smart. That was a good move on them. Uh, they totally destroyed my opportunity to, to pull people out, focus away. They can now take off from their base and get into the, the battle um, with me being down, and they'll know that their base is relatively safe, or at least for that time being. Well, I feel like uh, what you were talking about earlier, Matt, with the uh, in-game communication tools, and would drastically improve that. You know, to where you can, as being a, a solo pub player, drop and be able to effectively communicate um, without having to be on TeamSpeak three or any type of voice through this in-game, you know, communication tools and, and, you know, cues and stuff like that. Defend Theta! Well, yeah. Exactly. You drop and you have confidence that you can fall around the other person and be able to basically communicate using these little cues and tools and, you know, leads to success. And then you throw on top of that, you have all those tools and then you introduce to, you know, some type of voice software as well, you know. I mean, it just improves it that much more. But uh, Can't wait to be playing this game five years from now. Exactly. It's going to be so 
massive. <laughs> all right, Matt. Well, we appreciate your time explaining what a producer does and all of your insight and inputs. I just want to say thank you again for taking the time out of your day and for changing the time. Um, we, we were going to be recording this earlier or later, but uh, you, uh, you were able to fit hey, in. So I just want to say thank you. Also want to th- say thank you just for all your efforts on the game. I mean, um, you know, all, all that can be said and done as far as, uh, you know, what is, what can be, what should be, whatever. Uh, this is a game that Phil and I love, and we appreciate your efforts. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot. Um, actually, it's funny. I was just reminded of um, when I met you at GDC uh, the first time. I remember. You were probably one of the first uh, community guys, community-related other than media, that actually got to see the game in action. And Oh, that uh, was a good day. I was so jealous. Oh, my gosh. Why do you have to remember or remind me of that? Well, it was pretty rad because uh, I, I knew, I mean, we knew that we were doing something pretty cool. Uh, but just seeing the look on Darren's face, and he got to see it twice. And then... Um, Kid I, on Christmas morning, right? Exactly. And uh, when I flew back, um, I got into a cab, and my cab ride home was like two hours, of, well, no, like an hour. But uh, I listened to the NGNG podcast where you got to describe your experience on the ride home. And that was like, for me, uh, in my career, um, you make games because you want people to enjoy them. And for me, in my career, that was probably one of my highlights, just getting to listen to you describe that because the team had worked so hard on it. And uh, I had gone through, I don't know, two days of sitting in there doing the exact same thing over and over again with Brian, with the Jenner and the, the Hunchback and then the finally the the Alice and whatnot so it was it was a lot of fun to hear it and that was like the big payoff and now I mean everybody we get to share it with everybody in the world but for me that was kind of like the the start of it all that's awesome up. man that was actually one of my favorite podcasts ever as well so I appreciate that excellent well thanks a lot for having me on guys I really appreciate all the stuff you guys do and um, I look forward to playing with everybody all right Matt well you have a great weekend and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again and we'll play with you and, uh, yeah, I just want to say, uh, hey, guys, make sure to check out our Facebook page. Give us a like. Uh, we post up information all the time up there, whether it's mech porn, information, um, you know, and sometimes we have to post up stuff to let you guys know, hey, this podcast recording is at this time, or, hey, Twitch event. Breaking sure. news. Yeah, breaking news. And it's a, it's a really good tool to have. Um, and, of course, we try our best to post all that stuff up on our website as well. But some of the stuff we just is uh, Facebook only. Um, make sure to check out all of our YouTube content. We actually just put up a uh, slew of uh, stuff for Third Person View. For those that haven't seen it, make sure to check it out. And that's no guys. And actually, no make, make sure to uh, make sure to thumbs down the video of Phil killing me. Yeah, <laughs> I already did, uh, but it doesn't ha- work multiple times. I tried. Yeah, and that is uh, YouTube forward slash No Guts No Galaxy TV. Uh, but Phil, didn't we just uh, just today break a new YouTube record for ourselves? Yes, I'm actually I'm pretty stoked. When I got back from the beach over a month ago, I said, you know what, I wanna I wanna put out a new video each day, not to, on top of all the Twitch stuff we do, and we had just hit today over a hundred thousand views over 800,000 minutes watched on our channel and that's due in a to month you guys in a month this is just a month like this we went from 60,000 before all the way up to a hundred and uh, today is 101,000 it may be um, we've got a few days so it may be crossing over to the near 120,000 doubling and it is so. because of you guys we appreciate your support and and your continued viewership uh it just means everything to us and we're glad that you're appreciating the content we're putting out there so you can be guaranteed that there will be more coming in fact 
uh, that goes right along with that hint you've been uh, giving people lately. Yeah, yeah. The the hint I've been dropping is uh, just think YouTube and BattleTech or BattleTech. Oh yeah, e- either or. It's coming. Can't stop it. Guys, yeah, it, it'll be a while, but uh, you guys are going to be pretty stoked. Trust me. Just trust me on that. But anyways, guys, thank you to everyone, our community, our other staff members, and everyone else supporting us. We just want to say thank you. You guys are amazing. This was your local No Guts, No Galaxy, Mechs, Devs, and Beer podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. This is Phil. This is Darren. Until next time, Mech Warriors. Let's get out of here. Fill your pain for the drinks, right? <laughs>